0: Do you want to talk about books? Yeah! Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jameson. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Well, I'm back after my hiatus. I had a wonderful time working on research for the podcast and working on the website, and it is still in the works, but I hope to have it up by the end of the summer at the latest. Now, originally today's episode was supposed to be an interview with my friend Olga Pishnayek-Lawrence, but everything but 35 seconds of our hour-long interview was erased by a glitch in my software. I was just gutted about it. But we're planning on re-recording our episode in July, so be looking forward to that later this summer, probably sometime in August. Olga is one of my dearest friends. She's an absolute delight, and you'll love her book, especially if you are fans of Hinds Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard or Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. On today's episode, I am starting a new series on The Yearling by Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings. This is my second time to read the book. It's been about a 20-year gap between reading it, but it's been at the back of my mind for the better part of a year, and there was a good reason for it. But the impetus for finally reading The Yearling was brought about because of my research for Kristen Lovren's daughter, when I learned that Sigrid Unset and Marjorie Kinn Rawlings were friends. And of course, after I found that out, I knew I had to read The Yearling again as soon as possible. And it was the book I needed to read in this season of my life. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm a big believer that God places certain books in our lives at certain times. And this was one of them for me. I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode, but just keep that in mind. Now, Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings is a fascinating person in her own right. One of her biographers said she was full of contradictions and kindness, and I haven't had a chance to deep dive into Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings' life. I've just kind of done a surface level as it relates to the yearling, and that's because I'm planning to focus the episode more on the yearling than her life. Although I may sneak in a brief sketch or two, but I say all that because if you are interested in learning more about her, because as I said, she's just a fascinating person, I would recommend two biographies of her. Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings' Sojourner at Cross Creek by Elizabeth Silverthorne is one, and The Life She Wished to Live by Anne McCutcheon is the other. She was also a prolific letter writer, and there are a few volumes of her letters that you can track down. Unfortunately, I have not been able to find any that included her correspondence with Sigrid Unset. I've found some letters that mention Sigrid Unset, but I really wish I could find the correspondence between the two. So if you know of where one can find that, please let me know. Marjorie Kennan Rawlings published The Yearling in 1938, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. It was an instant hit, making Rawling something of a celebrity. And it was even turned into a movie starring Gregory Peck, one of my favorite old-time Hollywood actors. And he was a very big star of the time. It is the story of the Baxter family. The father, Ezra, or Penny, as he goes by, Aura the mother, and their son, Jody. It's set in North Florida in the 1870s, so it's post-Civil War. And it's just a year in the life of Jody, the family, and their farm. It chronicles the hardships of the family, which there are many hardships. They're poor and there's unforeseen circumstances that affect their farm and their livelihood. There's flooding, they're constantly battling the elements, and also predatory animals that prey on their crop and their cattle. But in spite of this, it is a hopeful story. And it's filled with humor and beautiful descriptions of the natural world. It is probably best known, and you may have heard of it only because of Jody's relationship with his pet deer named Flag. I won't be focusing as much on that. It is a sweet part. I will be bringing some things out, but there are just a couple of things that I really want to tackle in the next two episodes. And one is the endearing and tender relationship between the father and son. And the other is how the yearling makes us yearn for the new creation and redemption of the world when Christ comes. But I will, like I said, be touching on the very sweet relationship between Jody and his pet deer, because there's some beautiful quotes that come about it. And it has a lot to say about loneliness and the ability of these animals to fulfill that need that we have for companionship. Now, the writing of the yearling is absolutely beautiful. It is at times poetic and at other times it's humorous. Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings has just a keen eye for detail and just writes these wonderful and lively characters. Some are larger than life, Others are gentle and hardworking. And even the animals, there is a bear that terrorizes the Baxter's farm and the surrounding farms that it becomes one of those larger than life characters. And she writes this ongoing battle between the Baxter's, their neighbors, and this bear so well. Now, one of the things I love about this book is Marjorie Kennan Rawlings' ability to to capture nature through her writing. She excels at nature writing, and that will be more of what I'll discuss next week is her nature writing and how it can help us to long for the new creation. While Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings was writing The Yearling, she called it the boy's book. And I, from what I can tell, she was targeting it for boys. It is a great book for older middle school boys, but this is also a book that adults will love. So I would say if you're going to read it with the children in your life, it would be for definitely for older children. There is some offensive language that need to be discussed as you're reading it. And I mean that's up to your discretion whether you want to censor that out if you were reading it with your children. Whether you want to use that as a, a time to delve more into the history of that time and just some of the racial relationships and what is going on with people's hearts, how they view their fellow man, it is brief and do not let that deter you from reading this book. Just wanted to give that little bit of a a warning before you begin reading with them. Also there are a lot of harrowing scenes involving animals. So if you have a very sensitive child to animals being hurt or the death of animals, you may not want to read this with them or wait until they're a little bit older. So as I said, that is up to your discretion. I really wouldn't consider this mostly a children's book, especially now. A lot of the characters dialogue is in dialect, which is a little hard to decipher and which may be difficult reading aloud. I am not a fan of dialect in literature. I feel like it really detracts from it. I was able to overlook it for this book because I love it so much. The Yearling was published at the cusp of World War II. And I think that Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings was really trying to capture a piece of America that she was surrounded with at her farm in North Florida. Which just a very interesting tidbit Marjorie Cannon Rawlings bought an orange grove in Florida, a farm, a working farm, with an inheritance, and moved down there from New York, where she was a, I believe, a a newspaper writer, so that she could have a steady income in order for her to be able to write and not have to depend on the income of her writing. I think she just was picturing that this orange grove would just be prolific and the bill for her and it turned out to be quite the undertaking. She still had of course time to write but I don't think she was prepared for the labor and the work that was involved in it. I just think that's such an interesting idea and I just love that little bit of trivia in her life. Now as her editor Max Perkins was working on the final proofs of the yearling. He wrote this to Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings, and I'm quoting this from Elizabeth Silverthorne's biography, Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings, Sojourner at Cross Creek. I'll tell you what the yearling has done for me. You know how much there is to worry about when one goes to bed these nights. But my mind often goes to the yearling, the country, people, and the hunts, and then all is good and happy. Now, that's a test of how good a book is. I can attest to this being the case as I read this for a second time. I was as caught up in the lives of the Baxters and the world that Rawlings created as I was immersed in the medieval Norway of Sigurd Unset's Kristen Lavransdatter Daughter Trilogy. And I am so excited about sharing more about The Yearling in the next episode. Until then, I leave you with a reading of the first few paragraphs of the book, and hopes that it will whet your appetite to read it. A column of smoke rose thin and straight from the cabin chimney. The smoke was blue where it left the red of the clay. It trailed into the blue of the April sky and was no longer blue but gray. The boy, Jody, watched it, speculating. The fire on the kitchen hearth was dying down. His mother was hanging up pots and pans after the noon dinner. The day was Friday. She would sweep the floor with a broom of T.D., and after that, if he were lucky, she would scrub it with the corn shuck scrub. If she scrubbed the floor, she would not miss him until he had reached the glen. He stood a minute, balancing the hoe on his shoulder. The clearing itself was pleasant if the unweeded rows of young shafts of corn were not before him. The wild bees had found the china berry tree by the front gate. They burrowed into the fragile clusters of lavender bloom as though they had forgotten the yellow jessamine of March, the sweet bay, and the magnolias ahead of them in May. It occurred to him that he might follow the swift line of flight of the black and gold bodies and so find a bee tree full of amber honey. The winter's cane syrup was gone and most of the jellies. Finding a bee tree was nobler work then hoeing, and the corn could wait another day. The afternoon was alive with a soft stirring. It bored into him as the bees bored into the china berry blossoms, so that he must be gone across the clearing, through the pine trees, and down the road to the running branch. Now, that may seem like simple writing, but as the chapter goes on, you just are transported into a young boy's life in early April and his longing to be out in the outside world, exploring and idling away. And it just brings such a nostalgia for that time in youth that I challenge you to read it and see if you don't also long for one of those long ago April days in your childhood. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks to continue my discussion of the yearling, and I'm planning to do just two more episodes of it. I hope you are able to join me in reading it. In the meantime, if you enjoy today's episode and the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or review? It's just a small way you can help more people learn about the podcast. And if you'd like to connect during the week, you can find me at Beth on Instagram, and the A Well Read Life Facebook group. Thanks so much. Until next time.